Leaning into discovering, I guess, who you are and, and what really lights you up, because I see so many people just doing, just doing, and, and everyone has a choice. And even when I was sort of working full time, I thought I had to wait until I was making a certain amount of money before I could quit my job. That wasn't even the truth. That was just something that I just made up a rule, <laughs> you know, out, out of thin air. And how often do, do people really stop and think, you know, what is the worst that can happen if I go after my dreams? But so many people leave it, leave it sitting there as a dream. So, you know. Hello everyone. Thanks for joining us for episode 13, founder of Ete Swimwear and somewhere elsewhere an influencer travel agency, finalist and winner across multiple years in the Telstra Business Awards. Self-confessed introvert, but that is far from a roadblock to this incredible story. Blazing a path at a million miles an hour, a risk taker of unlimited beliefs. A strong, giving and courageous woman that is never to be underestimated. Jessica Williamson is this week's guest and she raises a powerful question for so much in her life that we all should ask ourselves more often. And that is, let's find out how to make this happen. Let's get into the show and hear so much more. We are back. Welcome back, everybody. Sean, awesome to see you. Hello, Jess. Hello, Jess. Over in Perth on the other side of Australia, Sean, Vancouver, from all corners of the planet. Sean, how are you first? You good? Uh, good, yeah. Still on countdown for baby number two uh, inside of two weeks now, unless she decides to come early. So, yeah, just, uh, yeah, time moves really fast. It's uh, <laughs> kind of crazy. But, uh, but yeah, Jess, how, how are you doing? It's breakfast for you. Uh, how's your morning been? How you doing today? Yeah, it's good. I started with my oats and my matcha latte, so it's been a good morning so far. Got it. Is that the routine? Is that how the mornings go? Yeah, I, every morning looks a little bit different depending on how I'm feeling, but <laughs> usually that's how it goes. I don't drink coffee, so matcha is the drink for me. Hmm. Interesting. I've, I've, I've converted to more tea recently, so uh, I'd be interested to hear why, but that's for a different show. So, yeah. Luke, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. That, that's a lovely coffee mug you've got there, Sean. That's a big, a big... Oh, yeah. You know what? I had it made because I thought I lost my other one uh, that uh, we got given from the school in the move. And uh, it turns out I didn't lose it, so now I just have this extra mug. That's, so that's very, very nice. No, I'm I'm good. I'm good. We are we are just rolling with the punches here in Melbourne at the moment. But but life's good. The kids good. Everyone's at daycare. Little Billy's uh, doing her thing. She's squealing at everything at the moment. I've got a little four month old Jess. So um, yeah, she's she's fantastic. But let's kind of get rolling straight into it. Jess, congratulations on the recent sale of Ete. Uh, before the launch of your swimwear label at 22 and your travel agency somewhere elsewhere, what was your world about? Like amazing accomplishments at such an age. What, what was your life like before all of that happened? Yeah, I was actually working in digital marketing at the time. So I, you know, finished high school. I went to uni just because I thought that that's what you had to do. And, um, you know, I went to uni and I did a marketing and management degree and then I ended up working in marketing for a while, which I was working at quite a big telco here in WA and managing, you know, quite big budgets in regards to digital marketing. So that was pretty cool because they had a takeover of the business and a lot of my managers left. So within six months, I was almost running the whole digital marketing department from zero to 100 in no time. But it meant that I got a pretty big handover from all of the agencies and everyone above me. And that's something that I really thrive on is, you know, chuck me in the deep end and, and I'll swim. But if you're underestimate me, I'll get quite agitated. So that was awesome because I got to learn quite advanced skills in digital marketing, which was pretty helpful when starting an online business. Yeah, I couldn't I couldn't imagine. Did I'm really curious when they threw you in the deep end and you were you were paddling away and head above water, 
was there anybody, and you don't need to name names, but was there anybody that maybe underestimated you that kind of, uh, you know, clearly made a mistake? And did it motivate you? Because I was going to ask yeah. the same question. It sounded like you used that as motivation. Mm, yeah. I mean, people see me as like this quiet, you know, sweet girl, but like I've got a fire under my butt. So, um, you know, people people do underestimate me because I come across in that way. But really, you know, I've got huge motivation, determination. And, you know, there was a manager who had never done any ounce of digital marketing and liked to micromanage. So I found that quite very frustrating. Um, And, you know, I got to the point where I almost just, well, I did. Um, Once I started my swimwear brand, I was still working there for a whole year. And I got to the point where I just checked out. That wasn't my priority. I went to work did what I needed to, but I didn't go over and above. I didn't try and share my ideas because I knew they would just get shut down. And I thought, look, I'm just going to use my, my, you know, drive and my passion in my own business, which is where I started Etty Swimwear. And that kind of took off pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. I like that a lot. Um, I want to dig to the early days a little bit and, uh, you know, just kind of reading an article that you wrote. Uh, you said that what well, self-proclaimed introvert, which is another thing that somebody was probably not going to just assume right off the bat mm-hmm. if they're looking at your you know, social media profiles or your accomplishments. Uh, and you wrote how you once thought this was a weakness, right? Like you, you used to you know, think that that meant that you were, I'm not, I'm not going to put words in your mouth, but several businesses later and now a successful business and mindset coach, uh, was is, is being an introvert really maybe been a secret weapon for you? Yeah, I mean, for so long and society is sort of built in a way where you're encouraged to work in groups and even at uni and school and they push you to work in groups and do public speaking and, you know, it's sort of, well, I got, I built this belief basically, but it is sort of a common, commonly held belief that, you know, um, if you're quieter, you're not as confident and maybe you're not as capable um, because you're not screaming it from the rooftops. And I, I found that really prevalent when I finished uni, I had done, you know, five plus in um, what are they called internships. I did five plus internships. I up-leveled myself. I did, you know, Google ads training and all of this extra stuff just in my own time out of my own interest. And pretty much every other uni student went to uni, did a bit of partying, graduated, got a job because they were confident and, and more extroverted. And I went for all these interviews because on paper they were like, wow, this girl's got a ton of experience. And I never got the job because in the interview, a lot of the feedback that I was getting, because I always like to ask for feedback, which, you know, is a good growth mindset, I guess. And so the feedback that I always got was, oh, we're just not sure if you'll be able to hack, you know, the fast paced, you know, digital agency side of it, or we're not sure if you'll, you know, be too overwhelmed by everyone else who's super loud. And, you know, there was all this feedback coming through. And so I thought, right, so I need to be louder And I need to be, you know, have this extroverted persona in order to land a job, in order to succeed. And so for so long, I was trying to be this extrovert ideal, which just is not natural. Like I'm not the, you know, screaming from the rooftops. I'm quite quiet. But when I do say something, it has impact. And that's why I love the format of, you know, podcasts and social media and things like that. And I think a lot of people confuse being confident with being an extrovert. And so because I am a little bit quieter, yes, I can still show up, you know, on podcasts or on my social media confidently because I'm passionate about what I have to say. Um, But put me in a room. If you put me in a room, you know, a networking event or something like that, most of the time I'll be observing. I'll be listening and observing and soaking everything in rather than being that person that everyone hears and, you know, everyone's crowding around. Sometimes I even speak and people don't even hear me. I'm like, hello, I'm here, you know. So I get overlooked and underestimated all the time. But I've realised that that is a huge strength especially in the work that I do as a coach. And I love working one-on-one. You know, a lot of coaches have moved into, you know, group methods and things like that. But as a coach, I naturally am a listener because as an introvert, 
we listen, we observe, we sort of scan the environment, whereas extroverts sort of go in and they're like, here's the answer, here's, you know, here's what you need to do. And this is just obviously a blanket. There's obviously people on all ends of the spectrum, but you know, I've realized that there are some huge benefits of being an introvert. And when that clicked, I was able to then lean into those a lot more and um, really play to my strengths instead of keep pushing this extrovert ideal that I was like, I don't have to jump on my Instagram stories and be like, "Woo, I'm having a party, you know, Um, I can jump on and just say what I need to say. um, And, and that's the delivery method that I am. And then now that I've realized and shown up more as myself, I'm now attracting more introverts. You know, a lot of my clients are introverts. A lot of the people that, you know, message me, they're like, Jess, I'm an introvert and I've never thought of it in this way as well. So um, I think that's really powerful, but it's hard because people are always saying, be yourself, be authentic, be yourself. And I'm like, cool, but how can I be myself on steroids? You know, because that's what everyone wants to see. But when I realised that, hey, actually, when people talk about being themselves, you often see people saying, oh, you know, I've always been told I can't be a potting mouth, so I'm going to be a potting mouth because that's the real me. And I was like, do I need to start swearing more or, you know, do I need to start doing this and that because that's what everyone's saying is their true selves. And I was just so confused. Um, But now I realised, hey, I don't swear. Like when am I, why am I going to start swearing at 28 years old when I don't really swear, you know? Um, So I think that's something that I wanted to speak about because there was no one showing me that that was a pathway that you could take in, you know, being your authentic self is, you know, if you are quieter and more an introvert, that's cool too. And there's strengths in that. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm not going to hog the mic, Luke. I'm going to give it to you in a second, but I just want to say that that was awesome. Uh, I resonate with that immensely. Uh, you know, because it took me a lot longer than it took you to realize that I was also, you know, introverted. Like I, again, the scale is different for everybody, um, you know, because I always played team sports, was pretty good at kind of mimicking people. I always seemed like the extroverted person, but I was forcing that, right? Because again, I saw that that's kind of what made you successful. So I was mimicking. I, I didn't find my authentic self for for a long time in life and you were bang on. And I, I can't resonate enough with being able to connect on a deeper level with your audience once you are truly yourself. Because again, I, I've next time I can't, say this quote word for word, Luke, just call me out that I actually need to look it up. But Gandhi said something along the lines of, you know, when your words, thoughts and actions are all in line, like that's when you're truly joyously fulfilled. Right. And again, that's not exactly what he said, but along those lines. So, uh, I've got an interesting question to ask you a follow up, but I'm going to pass it to Luke first because, uh, no, it's just, you know, it's, yeah, it was beautiful what you said and talking about introverts. I too, you know, claim to be one of those. And I think the thing for anybody that's sitting out there, it's like, where do you find, where does that energy come from for you? And what really resonated with me is what someone said one day, you know, is what do you, what do you seek? And for me, I get my energy after the fact of when I've been around people. So that opportunity to kind of, you know, chill out, reflect, you know, relax, and then that's where it comes from. So after something crazy happens, I don't seek my community for then to fill my batteries back up. And once I really started to wrap that around my head, I was like, okay, you know, right, like I can do these things, exactly what you're talking about, Jess. Like I can go to events, I can engage, you know, I can stand up in front of a thousand people and, and talk. But it's not necessarily where that energy is going to give me that abundance and joy later and after the fact. So, you know, I think it's a really powerful message that you don't need to be the loudest person in the room or the most over the top in order to bring value, substance, knowledge and beauty to a situation. So, you know, you know, keep sharing yourself no matter what that is if it's about bringing that beauty, I think. But Sean, mm, absolutely. That, you know. And I love that you touched on the energy. So, you know, when I talk about introverts, I, I group in, you know, being quieter and shy and things. And those aren't, you know, technically, you know, definite traits of an introvert. It is what you said, you know, the energy side of it and getting the energy from being by yourself. And so, you know, for me, I spend my whole week by myself. Mm. <laughs> I don't really see anyone. I don't even really see my boyfriend. You know, I see him on the weekends. That's when I can then have a full tank of energy to, you know, spend with him. So, you know, I show up on podcasts and I chat to my clients and do all this during the week. And so 
I need to be by myself. I don't want to talk to anyone. <laughs> I don't want to, you know, be social. And so it might be seen as antisocial, but for me, it's the way that then I can recharge. And instead of then entering the weekend on a 50% battery, I can enter the weekend on a hundred percent and, you know, whoever I'm getting to see on the weekend and hang out with, they get my full energy um, because I've taken that time to recharge. Yeah. And, and it's important. And sorry, Sean, I'll hand it back in a sec like that. And that's important for those around you that matter most to understand that from you, because, you know, you're not being antisocial. It's just, you know, you want to bring this great version of you and being around people all the time doesn't enable you to deliver that. So it's important for those people to embrace that of you as well. But yeah. Mm -hmm. And I've, there's one more thing that I have to ask uh, from that article. You already kind of answered it a little bit, but uh, I'm referencing the Dolly quiz. Now, I have no idea what that is, uh, but it was at 12. Uh, Luke, you guys, that's, that's, you guys must know what that is, but <laughs> I'm, I have no clue. Yeah. Uh, but anyhow, at 12, you realize just for, for people that will not have read this article that, you know, you, you did like a quiz with your friends and you seem to know all the ins and outs about them, but they couldn't really, you know, f find these things out or didn't have these, you know, same truths registered in their minds about you. And you, you, you did some dissecting about kind of what that meant, right? But you kind of said it in your last answer about your strengths as a listener, right? And, and where, you know, making a perceived weakness of strength, what role did that play in where you are now and your business success and your ability to find opportunities, you know, your ability to listen? Because, uh, you know, th there's a book in my library called Just Listen, right? And it's a skill that I've had to develop over time. But I, I, I have a sneaking suspicion this has played a fairly large role in your success. Yeah, so Dolly, for anyone that, that doesn't know, Dolly magazine, I don't even know if it's still around, but it was like a magazine aimed at sort of, you know, 12 to 17 year olds, I guess, you know, so a girly magazine and they used to always have these quizzes in the magazine. And so me and my friends, you know, we were having a sleepover as you do when you're 12 and, you know, we all did the quiz about each other and it was like, how well do you know your best friends? And it was questions like, what is their favorite food? And, you know, all of these kind of things. And I could answer every single question about every single person there. They couldn't answer one question about me. And so at the time, I felt really upset by it. I was like, why don't they know me? Maybe I need to talk more about myself. And so then I got into my head and I was like, you know, whenever people would be chatting, I would be trying to insert, insert myself and be like, hey, but this is about me and this is about me and this is about me. Because I was like, well, obviously they're doing that in a different way to me. So I need to talk about myself more so they can know me. And so for so long that felt really unnatural and I didn't even realise. And it wasn't like I was being narcissistic or, or super over the top, but it was just this, this messaging going through in my own head and I was like, oh, I need to tell them about this or I need to talk about myself. And it just felt so unnatural in a way. But now, I mean, I only realised that recently when I was sort of looking back on, well, what were all the things that sort of led me to this belief that being an introvert was worse off? And so I remember this memory and it was only recently that I realised actually I should have been the winner if, you know, if there was a winner at that quiz, I should have been the winner because I knew all the answers. Um, and that just meant that I was listening, truly listening, not sitting there and, and thinking about, all right, when's it my turn to talk? When's it my turn to talk? I was sitting there and truly listening, deep listening, not just in one ear and out the other so that I can have my turn to talk. Um, and so now that I look back, I do. I scan the environments. You know, I have quite high emotional intelligence. I really judge situations. And I always, you know, whether you believe it in, believe in it or not, but when I was younger, I always thought, wow, I think I might be a bit psychic or something because I just know things. And it was probably because I was just scanning the environment without consciously thinking about let me scan the environment, but I was listening to every single thing that people said. I was watching body language. I was, you know, observing everything without really knowing. It's just like a natural thing that I did. And so therefore I knew things about people without them ever telling me. And that's been super beneficial. And I feel like that's where I've really found my purpose in the coaching that I do because 
people don't realize what they're doing. And so you can teach those, those skills and things as a coach. But for me, I'm able to see things in people before they even have to voice them um, to me. Gotcha. So uh, an introvert, a psychic, a, <laughs> a coach, and someone that's certainly, um, you know, really in tune with what's going on, you know, in yourself and those around you. But, you know, life often deals, you know, lumps and lessons. And I'd love to understand, you know, maybe in a different shade, what the most valuable lessons and lumps that have been dealt out to yourself um, that still holds, you know, some weight today and resonates with you. Oh, so many. I think everyone says, you know, starting a business is the best personal development course you'll ever take. So um, especially, you know, in the beginning with my swimwear brand, I was just making it up as I went. And I think one of the most, so so many, so many lessons that I could share right now. Um, And I think just having that realisation about who I am and that that's actually a strength and looking at that as a strength was one huge realisation, and that was only recently, but um, one of the biggest, I guess, lessons that I had but also knew from the beginning when I did start Etty Swimwear and all my other businesses was that you kind of just say yes and then you figure it out. You know, everything can be worked out, found out, learnt. You know, there is always a solution for everything. And so, you know, a lot of clients and things come to me and they're like, but Jess, I don't know how, or I don't have time, or I don't have money. And I said yes to, you know, going to New York Fashion Week after one week of being in business, selling barely anything. I'd spent my life savings on my whole collection. And one week after I'd launched, I was invited to New York Fashion Week. And at first I thought it was a scam. I was like, who the heck is emailing me? Now, that was a whole accumulation of a lot of actions and decisions that I made, they didn't just email me out of nowhere and it wasn't mm. luck, but um, that might be another story for another time. But basically I had no money. I was working full time. I was 22. I was going to be in an Australian showcase with top Australian brands that I've looked up to for a long, long time. So I could have said, who am I? I don't have money. I don't have even any annual leave when I'm working at this full-time job. Um, So there were, and, you know, I had to make a whole new collection before I went, you know, there were so many reasons that I could have said no, but I didn't even see any of them. I just saw this is going to be a great opportunity. I'll say yes. And then I'll figure it out as I went. And guess what? I figured it out. And that's only because I decided that I'll figure it out. You know, I didn't sit there and dwell and go into a spiral on, all the reasons why I shouldn't do it. So I think that's kind of the first, you know, week one great lesson in business. And that's kind of the the main ethos that I've taken with me throughout everything is sort of seizing every opportunity, figuring it out. If you have a big dream, don't wait, you know, just go and make it happen, really. Yeah. So, you know, it's about if there's a door that opens, then you're walking through it. You're not going to stand on the other side of that door thinking, you know, what's behind it? Is the light on? Is this going to lead to a wonderful thing? You're just saying there's an opening and, and kind of let's go. So um, New York Fashion Week, as you spoke about, outside of the sheer size and difference between New York City and Perth, what was the what was the biggest eye-opener for you? Love to hear it. I love New York, by the way. That's oh, that's a place I, I will live at some stage or another. <laughs> I, that, that's that's going to happen. But, yeah, tell, tell us a bit more. I'm waiting till we can go back. So that was back in 2016, so it's been a while. Um, but in terms of that, the biggest lesson that I learned from that uh, that experience was, you know, what I had mentioned already. But also, secondly, when you come across an opportunity or make an opportunity yourself, because I'm a big believer in making opportunities, not waiting for them, is leveraging the opportunities. So many other of the, you know, there was a bunch of Australian brands. We all went and did a showcase together. And, you know, there were celebrities in the audience and it was just kind of surreal because there's me on the runway and them in the audience. So I was like, this is backwards, but, you know. <laughs> so the biggest lesson that I learned from that is all the other brands, they went, they did the show, they went out and had some drinks and, you know, whatever they did afterwards, and that was it. And what I did was I hired myself a PR freelancer because, again, I had no money, but I was like, I need someone in Perth 
who knows how to do PR and who can get me, you know, into these publications to leverage this opportunity? Because what's the point in doing a show? You might get a couple of Instagram posts and that's it. Let me leverage this, you know, opportunity and this story. And so I got a PR freelancer. I had no money, but I contacted enough people to find someone who would do it for my budget. And I did as much marketing and promotion as I could. So I was on Channel 9 News. I was, you know, in Forbes from from that opportunity. I was, you know, in WA newspapers. I was, you know, in, in top, top publications because I said, here's a massive opportunity. Here's a story that I have. I need to get it out there. There's no point just going to the show because that gets you nowhere. You know, I, I didn't really gain anything from it, but what I did gain was an opportunity to share a pretty cool story, you know, in the news. So that is the biggest lesson that I think most people don't think about. And even while I was in New York, I was like, okay, there's a ton of influencers in town because it's New York Fashion Week. There's a ton of media. There's a ton of, you know, buyers for wholesale. Um, so I thought, okay, my friend was also a sponsor of the event and she did, you know, body oils. And I thought this is a great collaboration. So we actually hired a studio room where you sort of can put your racks and then you invite everyone to come and have a look at your stuff and you have drinks and nibbles. And so we organized that didn't go as well as we thought, but you know, we organized it and we had a bunch of people come through um, not as many as we'd hoped because everyone's busy and running around town. But, you know, we did these extra things because it's like, what other opportunities can I find in this one opportunity? You know, seize every opportunity and make your own opportunities really. So, you know, every other brand, like I said, they went, they had some fun, they went back home and that was it. You know, what did they really gain from that? I, I just made a bunch of notes from uh, that little rant there, which uh, was awesome. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's funny cause the question that I was literally going to ask you was, you know, something along the lines of what was it like to launch a brand and then get invited to New York fashion week within that week. And, uh, you went there already, but a few things you said that I love, right. I decided I would figure it out. Right. And there's, there's some power in that statement that I decided that I would figure it out because it is a choice, right? Something that really inspired me once upon a time was this, uh, you know, something Will Smith said where, you know, successful people have this borderline delusional belief that everything is going to work out in their favor. Mm-hmm. Would you agree with Will? Do you have that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I don't even think it's delusional because, you know, you guys would know your thoughts create your actions, which then create your reality. And so if I thought I couldn't afford it, then I would have said no. And then I would have had this story written in my mind that, oh, I missed out on New York Fashion Week because I couldn't afford it. No, I definitely couldn't afford it. You know, you've got to fly there, pay for models, like New York's an expensive place, you know, all the all the marketing that I did around it, but I figured it out. And so, you know, whether that meant I had to save a bit more money here or, or you know, make a bit more money there or, you know, you always find a way. But the thing is, until you decide, it's never going to happen. If you, you know, it's that old saying, which... The hard part is people don't believe this until they do it themselves. And so even with my clients, I'm like, believe it and it will happen. You know, you've got to believe that it's possible first. Otherwise, it will never be possible. You know, you believe what is your reality. And so many of my clients like, yeah, whatever, Jess. And then they do it and I push them a little bit further and a little bit further and it happens. And that for me is like the most amazing thing that could ever happen for them because so many people do not believe this. You know, they might get business growth, they might get, you know, whatever else. But if they can just get that one realization and and see it in action for themselves, that's something you almost can't teach and people won't believe until you do it. But I I always had that natural um sort of tendency, you know, so that was probably something that I guess, you know, maybe I picked it up from my parents or somewhere along the line, or it's just naturally how I thought. But I think that is really, really powerful if you can believe, <laughs> believe in yourself. Well, it's, it's just, if you think about it, it's just not really possible to achieve without belief. Hmm. So why, why do you think so many people resist believing? Like, why is it so hard? I mean, 
you know, it's it comes down to like limiting beliefs and beliefs are just thoughts that have been thought over and over and over again until they become a belief. And everyone's versions of reality are different. Um, and so it's not until something like, you know, my example with my clients, you know, when I push them to that limit and then it happens for them because normally they would give up before then. So, you know, if they keep reliving the same situation over and over, then they become, that becomes their truth. So when we think about it, everyone's truth or versions of reality are completely different. I always used to think about this as a kid. I was like, what if I see pink as a different color as someone else sees, you know? And I was like, through my eyes, we all know it's pink because we've been told it's pink, but I wonder what other people see. And these are just like my brain just never stops. I, I wonder these crazy things, but that's the same thing, right? Everyone has their different version of reality. And because they believe that, then it creates their reality and then it reaffirms what they believed. So it's hard to get out of that until maybe you have a coach or you have someone that can, you know, change that behavior and help you rewire rewire what's going on mm -hmm. awesome i love that i also loved uh before i pass it over to luke uh i don't know if you use this line but what opportunities lie within this opportunity i think this, if that's a question you consciously ask yourself all the time or not i think that is awesome and i, I am glad we had this conversation because i am going to ask myself that all the time from now on so thank you for that but yeah luke luke i've been hogging the mic again sorry your turn. No, so I kind of wrote over here these these purposeful actions that have created this amazing life that you you now are in the middle of or the start of, however you want to look at it. And you know, we often talk about or talk to clients about is that you know a fish doesn't realise he's in the middle of the ocean, right? Like, and so I kind of look at it and say these purposeful actions that when they started to form for you, did you have any idea? what you were actually doing in regards to being purposeful or did it just accumulate over time? Like where did it, where did it really just start to crystallize in regards to the more I do this, the more purposeful I am, the more I seize this energy that is around me and in me, that that will steer towards this destiny that I have. Mm, yeah. Um, to be honest, I never consciously thought about things to begin with. You know, even when I started my swimwear brand, I had no experience in manufacturing or, or business or anything. I had, you know, marketing, but marketing for a corporate versus a, your own small business, completely different. So, um, you know, from the beginning, I just kind of did. And I was like, hmm, I want to start a business. I've got five ideas. I'll choose one. What's the next step? Oh, I need a manufacturer. Let me figure out how to manufacture it done and within you know six seven months I had launched my whole business on online flew to Melbourne did my photo shoot um you know did all these things and I never actually stopped and asked myself like why why am I doing what am I doing why it was just like what's next what's next what's next and so that's why now that I can look back it was all mindset like a hundred percent all mindset because you can give someone the tools like all the answers are on Google we we don't you know, we live in an age where all the answers are out there for, for anything you ever want to do, or you can find someone to learn from or, you know, whatever it is, someone's done it before you. So if we live in an age where all the answers are out there and we can pretty easily find how to do it, why do people not do it? Because of mindset. So I do think mindset is something that came somewhat naturally to me, but I'm forever growing. You know, there's always new challenges um, being thrown our way. So it wasn't until, it wasn't until probably three, four years ago. And I was part of this, you know, um, quite a big mentoring group and they made us do an hour meditation. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I didn't meditate at all. And I was like, this is so damn boring. Like when's it end? And you know, what else do I have to do? And I, my mind was just like thinking elsewhere. And then I'd come back and then, you know, first time meditation thrown into an hour. It was a lot. So, um, but anyway, in that time, I obviously got into a meditative state and something just came into my head and it was like, you need to be doing mentoring, coaching for young females. Cause there was no one, I mean, coaching has really, you know, evolved a lot over the past couple of years, but there was no one who looked like me to look up to, you know, like even at that time, the coach that I was working with 
was, you know, a middle-aged male. So I thought, look, that just that thought just came to my mind. And from that moment, that coach actually pushed me into, um, you know, they actually paid for me to do some coaching and I worked with them for a little while um, as a coach under their business. Um, so it wasn't until that moment that I actually realised this is what I'm meant to be doing. Like doing my swim, my brand was fun, but it caused me so much anxiety and stress around certain areas. And I was like, mm, it's fun, but it's not, you know, it, it's not quite right. And then I started five other different businesses and they, again, were like either jumping on a bandwagon that I thought looked cool or this sounds fun or this looks like you can make a lot of money, but none of it was really true to my core. And I think I wouldn't have, been here if I didn't do those other businesses though mm -hmm. so it's just like an ongoing progression but I think the key is through all of that you really learn who you are and then once you know who you are well I still I think we're all still discovering but you know once you have a pretty good idea of who you are then you can be more purposeful on wow I really truly feel like this is where I'm meant to be and I feel like now I'm getting paid for being myself, you know, which is pretty cool. You, you, I've read you talking about intuitive talents and the importance of cultivating them for people. And you just mentioned, you know, purposeful and how purposeful you are. If a door opens, you walk through it, you know, you just kind of figure it out along the way. Like what about those people that are sitting there listening to this and saying, well, you know, I am talentless, you know, I don't have these abilities, you know, I don't, I don't walk through that door like, you know, it's just not a natural thing for them. Then, you know, what do they do? You know, as, as the coach, they walk in, they talk to you, they get on Zoom and they say these things like, what do you do? Where do they go? Yeah, a few things with that. So guess what? Four years ago, if I was asked to be in a podcast, I would not be here. Um, would not. So all throughout school, even at uni, my body would shut down. You know, people say that they can't public speak and they don't like public speaking. I would be at uni, my face would be so red that it would hurt. It was hurting, like so, so red. My my brain would just evaporate. I was like, where's my brain gone? There's nothing in there, you know, and partly because they make you talk about stuff you're not even interested in. Um, but secondly, because I just had this fear of public speaking and it was just so crippling um, that I couldn't ever show up, you know, I wouldn't be showing up on Instagram, I wouldn't be showing up on anywhere. But what I did was when I went to New York Fashion Week and when I was like, how can I get this story out there? How can I get my business out there? I've got no money. Um, I reached out to a local girl boss event and I knew that they had speakers and I said, hey, do you need someone to speak? Like, I've got this story. And she said, look, I've already sorted the speakers, but I'll give you a five-minute segment and you can talk about that. And so she gave me that opportunity. I practised for about four weeks for this five-minute segment and all I had to say was, hey, I went to New York Fashion Week, here's some photos, and, and that was kind of it, which was all stuff I knew. I practised for, like, weeks on end and I had, like, millions of sleepless nights. I, you know, and then when I got there on the day, I forgot what I was saying. There was only about 30 women there and it was pretty casual, like, not too, you know, um, high intensity or anything. But I was so nervous that I was flinging my arms around and I threw the clicker on the floor for the slideshow and I broke the clicker for every other speaker for the whole day. I completely broke it. Um, and so that didn't go that well. But what I realised from that was that after the event, people came up and they're like, thank you so much for sharing that. That was really cool. And I was like, are you sure? Like, did you see what I was, you know, what I felt? You know, it was pretty terrible. I was fumbling over my words and it wouldn't have been the best public speech, you know. Um, but what I realised is that if one person could take away one thing from what I had to say, then that makes it all worth it, you know. And for me, just understanding that balance of fear versus um, purpose or fear versus, you know, obligation to, you know, inspire and help people, that helped. But it still took me, you know, five years or so to get here. And so even with my very first podcast interview, you know, three, four years ago, I was so nervous and they had to send me every single question and then I scripted up what I'm going to say for every single question and when you're in that mindset it's not the best to script because mm. then you're worrying about oh shit I forgot that word and then 
it messes you up, but my brain wouldn't work any other way. Whereas, you know, I'm jumping on here for an hour plus podcast and I didn't prepare, but that is how I can work now because it's all in my brain and I've built that confidence. So if people are feeling like, you know, I don't have a talent or look, Jess, I'm just not good at public speaking, so it must not be my purpose. There's a there's a difference, and I want to add a disclaimer. If you're not good at something um, or you don't like something, doesn't mean it's not your purpose. Maybe you need to give it a go or um, think about what your purpose is. And for me, if I want to share a message and help people, then I need to get good at speaking. And so getting out of your comfort zone and doing things that are uncomfortable is inevitable and something you really do need to do and but also finding your strengths so doing things that you don't like also helps you get one step closer to the things you do so if anyone is sitting there thinking oh I just don't know what I want to do and that's where I was five years ago when I started my swimwear brand I thought maybe I'll do homewares maybe I'll do clothing you know I loved all these things and I was like I'm just going to choose one and give it a go. I didn't sit there in analysis paralysis and and think, which one is the perfect idea? To be honest, I probably chose the hardest one I could have chose. Swimwear is seasonal and people have body image issues and they don't like to buy it online. And, you know, I couldn't have chose a harder thing, but I still made it pretty successful. So, you know, I think the challenge, the biggest thing that I would say to anyone sitting in that position right now is try, try something. And guess what? If it doesn't work out, if it, you know, if it's not great, it'll make you stronger. You will learn something and you will learn what you don't like so that you can get one step closer to what you do. Like I said, I wouldn't be here right now if I didn't do all those other five businesses to figure out, you know, who I am and what I like to do. All part of it. I love it. I love it. Sean. Yeah, I know that made me think of, uh, you know, because fear, fear stops so many great things from happening so many people from you know living out your purpose as, as their purpose as you mentioned and it makes me think of a mark twain quote uh you know i've had a lot of worries in my life most of which never happened mm-hmm. right and that's what happens when people stay up here and, and never take an action and i love that you shared that now i want to go into the, the the future a little bit because you've done so much already and it's it's been quite impressive to hear uh but you know beyond this current point right you love uh you know on your instagram it says uh you know helping female entrepreneurs get out of their own way right i love that because we all need to get out of our own way sometimes uh but you know where does the business go from here how do you reach more people how do you get your message out there even more yeah, so funny you asked that question. So in July, I had planned to go to Sydney and Melbourne and do um, some pretty awesome events with some pretty awesome speakers. And so July, you know, everything was going great in Australia with, you know, no lockdowns, nothing. July hit, everyone locked down, Sydney and Melbourne. And then so Melbourne came out of lockdown and I rescheduled it for um, start of this month and then the night before my event they went back into lockdown. So um, that was a challenge, but that was really where I wanted to take things um, because I feel like having in-person events creates a lot of hype and people can really connect and pay attention. I think after the past two years, people are a bit over, you know, online content a little bit and I'm always providing online content, but I think being present in a room, there's no distractions. You know, they, they're not on their phone because you can see them and, you know, they're a little bit more attentive. And so you can have more of an impact in that way and also, you know, reach people who maybe didn't know about me before in a way that their friend heard about the event and then they invite their friend along and things like that. So I was really hoping <laughs> to do more events in person, but um you know, those are on pause for now because Australia is not doing so well. Um, but I'm in Perth over here in WA. So fortunately, um, you know, all of our borders are closed here, but that means that we don't have any lockdowns, which is great. But it just means that I can't leave the state and I haven't left the state in, you know, almost two years. But pre-COVID, I was flying to Melbourne every three weeks which is pretty crazy to think of now. So I'm really hoping to do more in-person events. You know, I'd love to come over to, you know, 
internationally come over to the states or you know wherever um in the future but we'll just have to wait and see on that um but i do have my own podcast and i'm really trying to you know grow that so that i can reach more people with sharing some of my experiences and also just thoughts <laughs> thoughts that pop into my head and i think let me share this because you know that is a platform and and format and that's why i'm so excited to be here chatting to you guys because I like to talk. I am an auditory learner, so I like to listen and then talk. Um, visual, I get a bit distracted and, you know, all these other sort of reading takes too long for me. So um, I really love, you know, an auditory sort of platform to, to get the message out there. But to be honest, if I think of an idea, I'll do it right away. Um, so I'm not someone who has like five or ten year goals. If I have a goal, I'm going to do it right now. I'm not going to wait um, to work on it. So that's where I can't really say too much around what, what that might be, but yeah, I'm hoping to reach as many people as possible. I'd like to like to change it up if I can. So overworked and burnt out. I was reading this about you, um, you know, lots happening in your life. I'd, I'd like to understand how that unfolded for you and, you know, what are the red flags that you need to be really mindful of in yourself now? given the ambitions that you have and and how you're looking to grow all this but you know talk to us a little bit about that as you said you know you're in perth over in melbourne at the moment everybody's locked down and we know anxiousness and burnout anxiety all these things really rampant so what is what's some messages you'd love to share yeah so so many so it's looked different for me at different points i mean after my first year of business going to new york fashion week you know building up the whole business working full time um, not prioritizing my health at all. I've always prioritized sleep. So I'm never someone who's pulled all nighters or anything like that, but I wasn't eating properly. You know, I was just grabbing what I could on the go because I didn't have time. And so, you know, in my first year of business, I hit adrenal fatigue, severe burnout. And that's at the point where I just decided I've got to quit the job because right now my mental health is not great. My physical health is not great. You know, everything was suffering. And so once I hit that roadblock, um, or I guess that challenge of severe adrenal fatigue and, and mental, mentally not, not having a great time, um, that gave me a really valuable lesson. But naturally, and I, I tell this story sometimes, but when I was a kid, I used to run everywhere because walking was too slow. And so I used to run around the house and I would bang into the walls because I'd try and cut the corner too close and I'd just like smack into the walls and I would use my arms to bounce off the walls and run around because walking was too slow. So I think something's inbuilt in me in, you know, some adrenaline or something that I go a million miles an hour. And that's kind of what I said, you know, if I have an idea, I'll do it right in a way. Um, but I have been working on a journal for the past year and I'm learning as I go because I set myself a target of January um, just past to get that journal done, launched and manufactured. Um, but here we are in, you know, August and I'm only getting to it now. So I am learning that things can wait um, and no one's going to steal my idea in the meantime. So I don't really need to rush too much, but everything's an ongoing process i'm learning to slow down more and this year i you know i think a lot of us realized after 2020 that slowing we need to slow down we need <laughs> we need to slow down and it can be quite valuable to slow down so before covid i was on a plane every three weeks flying you know around it would take me a week to recover a week to pack again and then i'd be off again so you know last year gave me a really good insight into wow, actually it can value slowing down and I can still achieve just as much. So this year I made my priority my health and, you know, just probably checking in with yourself and asking, you know, how am I going? How am I feeling? And now that I give myself more space in my schedule as well. So I actually put in my diary, in my Google calendar, have a bath, like eat breakfast. And I never scheduled those things in before. And I would just be like, well, I've got, you know, 10 hours in the day. I can fit 15 minutes for this, 20 minutes, you know, I would jam pack it. And then I'd get to the end of the day and I didn't do half the things, didn't probably have any lunch break either because I didn't have the time. So for me, it was about actually scheduling it in because otherwise my brain keeps going 
So for me, something that was really helpful was, yeah, scheduling it in doesn't always go to plan and nothing ever always goes to plan. And that's something that I work with my clients on. They're like, Jess, how do I make sure that I get all my things ticked off in the day? And how do I make sure that I stick to my exact schedule and plan? It's never going to go that way. It's never going to happen. But if you don't even have a plan, then it's not even going to be close to happening. So for me, the biggest part was scheduling in. I schedule like an hour and a half to two hours for a lunch break because I know that sometimes my work encroaches on the lunch break. And then if I don't allow that extra buffer time, then I'm like, oops, missed lunch. And now it's, you know, the next task. So that's the way my brain works. I know a lot of other people are like the opposite side of the spectrum and they are distracted by all the washing or cooking or whatever they want to do in their day around home, especially if they're working from home. But for me, I'm like, nothing else would happen, you know. So just putting into place a structure so that I have those things, you know, having a bit more of time in the morning for a bit of a routine and starting that routine the night before has been really key because I would be on my phone on like TikTok or something, so useless, um, you know, pretending that I'm doing research for, for my own content. I'd be on there till midnight and then I wouldn't have a good sleep. And then in the morning I would hit snooze and it would just start the whole day off um, badly. So there's a whole bunch of things that I think, are important, but I think everyone has a different threshold. So for me, my threshold is pretty high in terms of stress and how much work I can get done. Other people, they might only be able to do one thing in the day and then they need to, you know, take some time out. So I'm learning to pull it back <laughs> and 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 really just tell myself it's not that urgent. I put these own deadlines on myself and as entrepreneurs, we, we're the only ones with the deadlines, you know, <laughs> no one else is going to know if my journal didn't launch in January. So those have been huge things for me, but it's all a work in progress. Yeah. So the deliberate, the deliberative choice and purposeful inaction, I think is something that everybody needs to embrace to some degree. It's not about planning out every single moment of the day, if that's not a natural fit for you, but that purposeful action and deliberate in choice can be powerful. Sean? Mm -hmm. Well, uh, I'd like to go back a little bit because I think you hinted at this earlier when, uh, you know, you were mentioning I did university because it's what you were supposed to do. I'm paraphrasing. So, you know, those weren't your words exactly. But, you know, I'd love to know, uh, you know, if you could go back and give the younger you, uh, which, you know, probably a decade ago, uh, any little bit of advice, right? We'll say coming out of high school and, you know, this is more for, you know, a younger audience or really anybody at any phase of their life, you know, what would that advice be if you could go back and just talk to that version of Jess? Yeah, I think kids, kids have an amazing opportunity these days because now you're seeing the rise of the teenpreneur and, you know, kidpreneur, you know, all these cool things that you see as actual possibilities at the time, no one had businesses. I actually chose to go to uni and I did management as my as my degree because I thought at the age of 17, I was like, I'm going to be a CEO one day. So management would probably be a good degree to choose if I'm going to be a CEO. And for me, the idea of that was just working my way up in corporate and being a CEO. So I always had that way of thinking, but no one ever showed us that you can, you can create whatever the heck you want, you know. Um, and it was only, yeah, like 10, 10 or so years ago, but there was no one doing it. And now everyone, you know, everyone's having their own business, even more so from last year. And I think it's really, really awesome to see people just breaking all the rules these days. And I think that's really, really awesome. Um but to be honest, I don't regret, I don't regret anything because at the time I probably, I didn't know who I was. I knew that I wanted to be a CEO, but that was about it. And um, that to me looked like someone in a damn suit and I'd never be caught in a suit now. <laughs> um, so I think that that was still, uh, I guess, coming of age, a growth, you know, phase and it gave me opportunities. I got to go on, on exchange to New Orleans and do some study over in the US and just some really cool life experiences throughout that process. So, yeah, it cost me $30,000 and um, an expensive, I guess, growing up. Um, but 
I, I wouldn't regret it, but I think if I was growing up now, I probably would be a kidpreneur because I remember when I was about 12 or so, I asked my mum and dad, I said, I want to buy a house. And they said, Jess, you can't buy a house. The banks won't give you a loan. And I said, why not? I want to buy a house. I'm going to buy a house. And they're like, Jess, it's just not, not even a thing. Like you can't. And imagine if someone told me, how about we figure out how you can? Um, and I'm sure there would have been ways. But imagine if someone said to me at that age, amazing. Why do you want to, why do you want to buy a house? All right, great. You want to buy it because it looks like a good investment. Um, and I didn't want to live in it because I needed to live with my mum and dad. But, you know, I, if someone had said to me at that time, let's figure out how you can buy a house or how you can be involved in, my parents had, you know, investment properties. If they said, hey, how about we get you involved in what we do, you know, with ours and you can be involved in the process. Imagine what that could have done, right? So, you know, I think these days with seeing other kids and other teenagers and other people doing all sorts of things, I think it's really cool because it just shows others that they can do it as well. I absolutely love that. And, uh, you know, before I pass it back over to you, Luke, it's, it's sad because there's a lot of, uh, you know, kids that grow up with, you know, parents or people close to them that with the best of intention, pass on their limiting beliefs because they can't see that world happening. Right. So, you know, the, 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 how, to, how common is it for the, you know, the loving parent to say, Ooh, well, that, that sounds pretty out there. Like you should have a backup plan or two and then, you know, adopt belief, adopt belief. And then all of a sudden, you know, the risk taker in you slowly dies. Right. So I thought you said something about, you know, well, what if the narrative was, let's find out how we can make that happen. Right. Cause there's, there's Robert Kiyosaki. I love that Robert, I don't know if you've read his book, rich dad, poor dad. Uh, but you know, he, he would always have this saying where he wouldn't accept uh, I can't afford it. It was always, how can I afford it? Right. So similar concept. And I think if we teach kids that, or just have them finish with that question, or what if everything works out or what's the best that can happen and have that be their default question, some amazing things can happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I won't even get started on the school system, but imagine if they taught that. Another like, conversation. That is, literally, wow. that is literally all they would have to teach. We don't yeah. need to know anything else. That is all they would have to teach and we would just change the world. So, yeah, I love that. Yeah, I'm actually going to be speaking at some schools this year. I've just kind of locked that in. And, you know, I've got to be careful, right, to not uh, go against their curriculum, but there will be little elements of that. It's 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 also an addiction and everything as well. But, uh, man, I, we could talk. We could go another couple of hours, so we're not going to go yeah. there today. <laughs> uh, but, yes, the education system needs an overhaul. Well, I'll ask this. I am happy to go there. So I think it's a great question and, and I'm certainly happy, you know, a few people have actually brought it up, you know, when we, when we talk. But if you were in a position of power and you could make a change in the educational system, what do you think that would be? Look, I understand why it is the way it is um, and teachers do their best, but I just think that it's too one size fits all, you know, and and that's why so many people don't know who they are because, and look, it would take a lot, you know, you'd probably need more of like a one-on-one -on -one approach or, you know, a much smaller approach, but, you know, it, it is one size fits all. And, you know, I remember specifically, and this memory is ingrained so deeply, but I was in year seven, um, so however old, you know, 11, and the teacher handed out all the worksheets and I was starting to do the worksheet. I know how to do it. I know how to do it. it tells me the instructions, fill it out like it's not hard. But the teacher was explaining to everyone else how to do it and I got told off. I got told off because I wasn't listening. I was like, why do I need to listen? I know how to do it. I'm not being disruptive. I'm just getting on with it, you know. So they teach these, these, these things that you can't think for yourself. And so I think that is, and all teachers are different. There are some, some great teachers, but they teach that you can't think for yourself and you have to do it the way that the teacher wants you to do it. What if I know a better way? What if I'm even smarter than the teacher, you know, and, and some kids and kids are great because they have no, you know, they have less limiting beliefs than, you know, older people. And so kids probably 
could be more wise in certain areas. Yes, maybe maths, there is a right answer, but for other things or methods of ways of doing things, why can't we encourage that? Hey, Jess, Jess seems to know how to do the worksheet. How about Jess, you tell everyone how to do it and then, you know, you can can have that opportunity. So I think it would be really cool if they sort of taught people have, how to find their strengths and then the teachers were able to work to everyone's strengths um, differently. Mm, yeah, I, thank you for that answer that kind of threw at you in the last moment. I think, <laughs> you know, shout out to the teachers out there that, that do an incredible job, but I think the challenge that they've got is that they're bound by history and curriculum when it comes to the things that they can and cannot do at the moment. Definitely. So, about Yeah. I was just going to quickly say my favourite, favourite uni teacher. And at uni, normally the teachers just read from the textbook and they're like, here it is and that's it. My favourite uni teacher said, guys, and she was the only one who had actually worked in marketing. All of the others went to uni, graduated, became a uni teacher. Um, And so she was like, guys, scrap the curriculum. I'm going to teach you what I want to teach you and we're going to just make sure we tick off the boxes that you can pass and um, get your degree at the end. But she said, screw the curriculum. I'm going to give you what you need. So I thought that was really cool. Awesome. I love it. I've got one more question and then um, which I cannot find at the moment. So I'm going to have to actually wing it. But no, here it is. Actually, I can't find it. So the question is, so, you know, what would that next chapter of your of your life book look like? You know, you talked about a journal before, which you know really sparked some amazing imagery in my mind. But you know, if you're writing that book, this next chapter coming up, what would the name of that chapter be, and what's it about? Um, to be honest, I have been thinking about writing a book, but I don't necessarily like writing, and I've been trying to think what would the title be. For some reason, this is just a thought that I've been having regularly. What would the title of my book be to summarise everything? And I feel like it's got something to do about being underestimated. Um, look, I'm st- it's a work in progress, but being underestimated and, um, you know, showing everyone that you can do it anyway, something like that. Yeah, right. Okay. Finding opportunities and opportunities. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. No, I think I'd read that book. I would definitely read that book. Awesome. Well, Sean, I'm I'm not sure if you got any more questions. Otherwise, we we might start to to bring this to a close. I think we're pretty much getting there uh, towards the end here. Before we kind of give a little wrap up question, but uh, first, uh, Jess, I mean, we'll put it in the the show notes as well. But where uh, where's the best place for everyone to find you and uh, and connect with you out there on the world wide web? Yeah, the best place to find me is my Instagram at jess.williamson8. And honestly, my DMs are always open. I'm not one of those people who, you know, I always check the other folder and I get excited when when people do message me. So I'd love to hear from you guys if you have enjoyed this episode. But that's the best place. I sort of share everything through my Instagram. Um, I've got all the links in my bio. But otherwise, my website is just jessicawilliamson.com.au. Awesome. Okay. Uh, so I highly recommend you, you look into, you know, what, uh, Jess's world is all about. Uh, cause you know, if you've listened to, to, to this point, uh, you've, you've, you've probably gotten a lot of value and a lot of inspiration. So I would say dive in. Um, but you know, seeing as the title of this show is, uh, you know, conversation for a better tomorrow, uh, in your mind, in your opinion, what is the most important conversation that, you know, we all need to be having right now in the interest of creating a better tomorrow? Hmm. Yes. Oh, so we've, we've touched on so many things. I think all of, all of the above that we've spoken about would definitely be really cool. Um, yeah, I feel like we've kind of covered, covered a lot of what I would say on that one. Um, but I just think, you know, leaning into discovering, I guess, who you are and, and what really lights you up, because I see so many people, just doing, just doing. And and everyone has a choice. And even when I was sort of working full time, I thought I had to wait until I was making a certain amount of money before I could quit my job. That wasn't even the truth. That was just something that I just made up a rule, <laughs> you know, out, out of thin air. And how often do, do people really stop and think, you know, what is the worst that can happen if I go after my dreams? But so many people leave it, leave it sitting there as a dream. So, you know, I would say 
stop just doing and start, you know, asking yourself, what do I really want to do? Because life is passing by right now. You know, even with everything that's going on in the world right now, years are still passing by, you know. We, we can't wait for things to go back to normal, you know, in, in inverted commas, because it's not. This is, this is life right now. So I think that would be one thing that I would say. I love it. So don't let as many gifts go, you know, to the grave undiscovered. Absolutely. World needs more people to dig in and just kind of share what they have with this world right now. Mm-hmm. I like that a lot. Luke. Awesome. Awesome. I love it. Jess, ha- how are you feeling? Good. That? Awesome chat. Beautiful. All right. Well, that, that sounds like a perfect place to close. So, you know, with that, Everybody that's sitting out there, thank you so much, listeners. If you're enjoying this, like, share, subscribe. Tell not your next-door neighbor because you told them last time. Tell the other neighbor. Um, we'll see you in a few weeks. Sean, take care. Jess, so, so good to meet you. Appreciate you coming on and, and everybody. Uh, be safe, be present, be you. Sean? Be fulfilled. Awesome. Jess? Oh, gosh. Throw me in the deep end again. Be you. I love it. Beautiful. Perfect. Perfect way to end it right there. All right, everybody. Bye for now. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thank you.